Our In The Mix series is on Mixcloud.com slash The Music Snobs uh, by Jahan, myself, my... Uh, you forgot to mention our cereal line, our special brand. Our sneakers, sneakers. Our sneaker brand. <laughs> the deal with Honda. Jesus. How much shit do we... We got all this stuff and we ain't making no money? <laughs> Man. Gotta go Welcome to the B-Side. Scoop, Isaac, Jahan, Arthur, The Music Snobs. This is the Music Snobs Podcast, episode 32. My name is Arthur, your lead voice, and I am joined, as always, with Scoop, Isaac, and Jahan. Today's episode of the Music Snobs, we would like to discuss a perception that America has lost its love and appreciation for black music. This whole thing stemmed from, you know, conversations that Isaac and I have had in the past um, about where Jahan lives you know, his neck of the woods. If it shifted to London, yeah, the well, London, UK, Liverpool, Manchester, you know, so, you know, whatever. Over there, you know, that they have a greater appreciation for black music as a whole than we do over here in America. Um, you know, from the artists that they, that they bought over here, it just seems like they just have a greater appreciation for what, you know, especially American black music. You know, like they appreciate, you know, um, like if, if you left it to America, if, if America was to tell the story of black music, it would probably start and it would start with Motown and end with hip hop. That would be it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But in London, you know, they would they have a clear understanding, appreciation for what was done prior to that. They, they, they will, you know, they were probably speaking about Robert Johnson's contribution to music before we were. They were probably, they would go to the chess and the stack records and their contribution. You know, they would, they would, they would go and have a long, in-depth dialogue and conversation, make sure that Gamble and Huff were a part of this conversation. America would gloss over that. Gamble and Huff would be like, not even mentioned. So, um, you know, I, I think there was this perception at least coming from me, and I guess we've had, I've had conversations I was about that, that there's a, a different appreciation or great appreciation for what American black music has contributed to the world over there than, the con than, than we did America as a whole. The current state may be different, but I still stand on what I'm saying. If I hit, let's, let's say historically, mm -hmm. I think you all still have over there a greater appreciation. Because once again, if we get into a conversation with general individuals, you know, we can go in downtown Manhattan or we can go in downtown L.A. and strike up a musical conversation with people about the history of black music. You know, non-black people, just anybody. And I think there will be more depth and appreciation to everything that was brought to the table in American music over there than would be here. Once again, you know, the, you know I, look, if you all, if, if London controlled the Grammys, Luther Vandross, Marvin Gaye, Gambling Huff wouldn't just have one Grammy. Their music would be appreciated. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be white artists. Like, 
you know, Gambling Huffs, Simply Red wouldn't get, wouldn't be the artist that had the Gambling Huff song that finally got, you know, a Grammy. You know, it wouldn't be Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye that finally got him a Grammy. You know, it wouldn't be one of Luther's last records that got him a Grammy. If 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 London controlled the Grammys, and that's what I'm getting at, mm-hmm. those artists, they'd be multiple Grammys across. They they would appreciate the work being done. Let, let me ask you, uh, again, a very pointed question. When you were editor-in-chief at XXL, and you were widening, you know, the conversation to not just be specifically about black music, but about or hip hop, but about black music. And you had to fight the battles you fought. If that magazine were being published in London, do you think you would? How? How? What, what would have changed? Mojo. It would have been Mojo. Oh, Mojo was one of the templates we used over there. And that's what goes going to my situation is that they Mojo covered black music unlike any magazine here in America. We would look at Mojo. We would look at how they took, you know, Marvin Gaye's. Uh, 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 what's going on? And and did a forty-page breakdown of that out. Where are you going? Who's going to do that here? Name one magazine. But when I was at Double XL, that was my thing. It's like look at what they're doing over there, and I appreciate it. So, and this is before Wax Poetics, which is still I think does a good job of covering it. But it's still, you know, um, it still doesn't go to the depth that Mojo does. Mojo is a phenomenal magazine, and they appreciate for black. We don't have that magazine. Mojo wouldn't exist over here, and that goes to my point. I mean, I wish, I wish that were true. Um, and, and I think hearing some of your examples, I haven't really got anything to refute that. Um, that's, you know, it's incredible that Mojo would do that. And I think Mojo is probably an honorable exception rather than the rule over here. But you have, my point um, is that you have one. We don't even have yeah, that over I, here. That's, that's I, the I point. Hear that. right. I hear yeah. that. I hear that. I mean, you know, unfortunately, no geography is... No place, no city, no country, no culture is immune to the virus of corporate commercialization um, to which music has fallen so victim in the last 20 years. And, you know, it's we're now in, as far as I'm concerned, we're, we're in full blown AIDS stage of that virus over here. The Guardian recently, I think it was The Guardian, they did a, like a sort of top 20 most important black names or most important names in black music. Just terrible, terrible selection. Terrible selection. None of the people they chose, almost none of the people they chose, if not none of the people they chose, had any relevance to innovation or creation of black music um, today, whether they were English or not. Um, We have closed most, if not all, of our meaningful, cutting-edge, non-commercial black radio stations here. Even the sort of commercial ones, even like Choice and... Uh, BBC One Extra, etc. They just they've just fallen by the wayside. There's almost like an abandonment. There's almost you know that it used to, One Extra's slogan used to be love black music, love One Extra, and they they abandoned that. It's almost like they they took the black out of the title. They they don't want to sort of embrace that. Everything on the charts it's all focused towards the pop end of the market. Certainly not black American music. When I was growing up right a while ago now radio stations didn't play black american music they played michael jackson but that was it you weren't getting janet jackson as much or you know whatever even in the 90s we had one one or two radio shows a week uh kiss used to have a brilliant radio show called the pressure and that would play swing and that would be pretty much your only option to hear it choice would do some would do some stuff there were stations etc but it wasn't 
on the level that it was then in America and still is in America. You're not going to hear Isaac Hayes or Luther Vandross or the stylistics on the radio in London. You are going to hear it in almost every city in America. You know, almost every city in America will have a slowdown zone at the end of the night and they'll play these full songs. There isn't the market here for that. There is the market there for that. When I went to Tokyo, black music was had permeated the subculture there. Tower Records, which is still which is still open, and it's it's nine floors. Jesus. Jesus. At least four of them are dedicated to black music. Two of them are dedicated to R&B, and I think one is dedicated to jazz, or the reverse is true, two to jazz, one to R&B. The Japanese outlet or Japanese arm of major record companies unilaterally would reissue classic R&B albums even before a domestic reprint would come into play. And they'd been doing that for years, through through the late 80s and into the 90s. Um, and I, I, get, I get Scoop's point about the appreciation of it having shifted away from the United States. You know, and I think that that a lot of it has to do with America is tired of being reminded of the black experience, which is the origin of every music that we created in this country. Deep point. I think uh, uh, the greater the greater greater ethnic culture in the United States is waiting for us to create the next thing. But and that's I'm glad you said that because uh, it, to me the appreciation lends itself to influence. I've always felt that UK non-black UK artists were more influenced by black music than yeah. you know non-black. Uh, there black. I agree. I yeah, agree. that's that's, that that's goes, what I've always yeah. felt. Um, so, but flipping back to what Arthur just said, to me, you know, the music industry in America has is has only dealt with black artists to me by force. You know, long before any of us were born they would put music out that was black music with white artists on the cover. It wasn't until they were forced, you know what I'm saying, to have to start putting black music because the black artists became so popular. And then I've always felt that hip hop forced, again, forced the music industry to put these young black kids, you know, to, in the forefront because it, it was the music of the, of the moment. It was, it was everything. There hasn't been a revolution in black music and since, you know, mid nineties. I think that's when, you know, things started to fade out. There's been no revolution within black music. Second golden age. I've second always golden age. <laughs> golden yeah, age. Uh, Jahan's second golden age, notwithstanding. I've always felt and, and to be and to be real, there's a bubbling of things. You know, you have this bubbling of, you know, in the uh, late 90s, we had the bubbling of Neo Soul. I think we've had the bubbling of, of alternative R&B or whatever you want to call it. But there hasn't been, in my opinion, there hasn't been a revolution in God knows how long. That gave the record industry the chance to, whether it was consciously or subconsciously, to not have to deal with these black folks anymore. And now we can push the Molly Cyruses in, for, in the forefront again. We had this conversation before about these, you know, we don't have another Usher. You know what I'm saying? We've had these conversations. So if they don't have to deal with this, to Arthur's point, they won't deal with this. And they don't have to be reminded of the black experience. We can have these white pop artists. So to answer the question, yeah, I think America as a whole has lost its, its interest in black music. They aren't going to get reinterested again until there's another revolution within black music, if there is one. I'm sure there will be one eventually. It always happens. But they aren't going to get interested again unless they're forced to. You know what? I actually, to, to kind of connect everything and then also to, to go back and regroup with Scoop's original point. Scoop, I think if people here have shown, as I did, and I'm sure plenty of people that you knew from England that you came into contact with over the years, 
if people from here have shown a disproportionate amount of love towards black music, you know why it was? Because we didn't have it here. And it was almost a novelty factor. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get that. You know, you and your you and your comrades over there, it was part of your daily experience. You couldn't get away from it at one point. But for us, we were so desperate for it. We were so excited that we would just suck everything up, you know? But that lends itself to a greater appreciation if you yeah, don't have exactly. it. exactly. It becomes you know? more precious to you. Right. And, and, and here's the thing. Arthur kind of hinted on that because that was going to be my next point, and I'm glad you said that. It, it goes to also the music that's come out of there from white musicians and white bands. You know, I don't think you'll get... Maybe I'm wrong, overstating this way too much, but I... I can't think of an American band that would give black music the credit the same way the Beatles have. That's right. Or, or the Rolling, Rolling Stones. Stones have. You know what I'm saying? Historically, what black music meant to them in forming their sound and shaping their sound, you're never going to get that from an American band. Keith never. Richards, Keith Richards has said that when the Stones first came to Chicago, it was like coming to Mecca. Yeah. And they went straight to Chess Records. Well, the Beatles and Paul McCarthy's like the first songs they started covering as a band were Isley Brothers songs. You know what I'm saying? You give credit to no white artist and no white art mu- mu- band musically is going right. to give that. But that's what I'm talking about as far as the core of appreciation. You all appreciate that. You know, and not even just in London. You you talk to Bono from U2. You know, he'll tell you. <laughs> you talk to Rod Stewart and back in all the And these influence. are people, the people you're mentioning, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, Cause like I look at some American artists who have black influence. They either were around black folks when they were young. They come from regions that have heavy black influence. You know, the Virginias, the yeah. the deep South. These cats you mentioned, I don't know, had they ever seen black people? You know what I'm saying? No, they had. Had Bono even seen a black person before? It's like he comes from Northern <laughs> Ireland, right. doesn't he? It's like right. you know, it's like so. Yeah, that speaks to the influence of the music there. That you know, if if Sting was born in America, you take him the, mm-hmm. the type of cat he is with his background make him an American with that same background, does he end up making the type of music he does? No, he doesn't. But does he give appreciation to the music? We can't sit up here. You can't sit up here and see that the American black music has crossed the seas and had a bigger impact and not had any bad impact on music in general here. But if you ask them, nah. You know what I'm saying? And that to me gets the core of appreciation. You know, respect. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, love. I, you know, that no, may be that may be the key word, and maybe like John said, since it's so rare, yeah, that respect that yeah. they give it. You know, maybe that 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 the rarity of it speaks. You know, increases yeah. the level of because, respect. Because I mean, it's interesting. Everything that I started off saying, it's it's around outlet. It's around radio, record labels, uh, record stores, the infrastructure that commercially supports something. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I don't I don't think anybody here would put down black music or classic black music or would disavow it or distance themselves from it. So if you're saying that that happens in America, I can't imagine it happening. But if you're saying that that happens in America, <laughs> you know that's that's surprising. Well, here let me ask you a question. Enough time here. Let me ask Scoop a question behind that. Blondie, okay. Rapture, Deborah Harry, right? Deborah Harry name checking Fat Five Freddy and Grandmaster Flash. Is that novelty or is that respect? Or is that acknowledgement? I think in her situation, I think in her situation, it, it probably is respect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this respect that she co-opted now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's keep in mind, she did lend herself to doing mm-hmm. that type of music that resonated to a black audience. Right. And, and when she was name checking, she's naming the song Rapture. So it is an ode to hip hop. Mm-hmm. So she has to kind of mention that. It's not like she's doing, the Beatles were not doing black music. They were doing their version of their own thing. Right. So you can 
get away with not mentioning it. It would be hard for Blindie to do a song called Rapture that's based and rooted in hip hop and not name check. Now, let's go to all the other stuff that Blindie did as a group. Mm-hmm. Did she name check anybody else after that? No. No. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> right. So that's, that's what I'm saying. So question. it's just a one particular. That's a one off. Oh, okay. So the band Death, the punk band, three brothers, black, started punk two years before the Ramones brought it to New York. Mm-hmm. But when, when the discovery of their music was made in the early 2000s, in their mid-2000s, the white press, um, particularly the New York Times, profiled them as the foundation of punk music, acknowledged that what the Ramones were doing, what, what was going on in the late 70s had already started in 1975 in the Midwest. Now, it's after the fact. Is that acknowledgement? There very well may be a certain segment of younger Americans. I don't, I don't think one situation because they weren't forced. Nobody was forced to. I know, but but I don't think one situation changes the entire thing. Where they're not going to be given credit for creating punk music. New York Times may mention it once and deal with it, but you're still living in a country that is teaching kids that Christopher Columbus discovered something that was already <laughs> lived on by people. No, that Africans have sailed to 200 right. years before he got exactly. here. Exactly. So you're living in that country. This is the stories we still teach our kids. So if the New York Times mentioned it, that's not changing the truth that a black band created punk music. That's been Little Richard's fight from day one. Mm-hmm. That's been his entire fight since day one is he has been overlooked. You know what I'm saying? He has been overlooked for being the architect of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, though, to me, again, though, this comes down to, I agree with what Jahan, Jahan said earlier, because when I was in, uh, the, 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 the several times I've been in London and spent time in London, it wasn't like I felt like this overwhelming appreciation for black music while I'm there. First of all, I have to, as a side note, I'm with Jahan, so it's like, we're not listening to the radio anyway. We're listening to his, to his uh, the music he selects. But, there wasn't like, you know, it's not like, like you said, the Stones were felt like they were coming to Mecca. It was, you know, it's nothing like that. So I, I you know, from what I've seen, Jahan, of course, is 100% right. He, he's born and raised there. But at the same time, I, I think that appreciation leading to influence is more so of what we're, we're getting after. It's like that influence that black music has had on white artists in the UK, to me, is even if you don't agree it's greater I think it's greater but even if you don't think it's greater it's wholly different than the influence that black music has had on artists here you know in America yeah, I think like I was telling Jahan the one thing that fascinated me that helped which shaped my perception were the things that like once again we spoke about earlier with the with the bands over there but just in general was was the fact that artists used to go to producers talk about this all the time you know especially hip-hop producers, having to go to London to get their James Brown samples. Because there was so much more music over there. And they used to have a James Brown store. When I was in London in 94, they have a James Brown record store. That's all they sold. You would never that's, that's get crazy. that here in America. That's amazing. But I, th- you I know, think it's probably unique as well. I, I, it's, it's not like we had one on every corner. But, but no, but you have, one. Saying, you have one. <laughs> so you don't, you don't you need to have one, one on every corner. We have none, and you all have one. You know, you can go to Augusta, Georgia, where James Brown was born, and they don't have us. A... <laughs> uh, inside my lifetime, I haven't experienced it that way. I just I remember when we were growing up, we were so excited whenever there would be any Black American music played on the radio or or on TV. I remember when we first discovered that 
Billboard had an R&B chart. We couldn't believe it. And we were like, my God, Americans, they're so lucky. They're so lucky they get, <laughs> you know, this stuff gets covered. Oh my God, I can't believe that. You know, and we would look at, we'd look at the top 10 and be like, oh my God, it's the greatest collection of records ever. It's the best, it's the best 10 songs of all time. My God, I wish our chart was like that. <laughs> we would have to listen to the top 40. There'd be maybe like two black American songs in there. And, and that does that does increase appreciation you know when it's real i mean look at look at sports man if they're they have you know the uk had soccer or excuse me football they didn't need basketball if basketball if they had no football then basketball would be huge over in the uk right now but it's not it's you know because they got football they already have something yeah. they didn't have anything like black well, music. more to that point like that's that, why, that that level that's of black why football music. doesn't resonate across the world mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying Oh, you talking about NFL? Yeah, NFL, yeah, yeah. Right, NFL, right, right, right. yeah, American football, yeah. And, and I think maybe we've scoop. You've already basically answered this, I think, but maybe the more accurate statement is amongst fans of music, black music gets its due more outside the US than than inside the US. Okay, that's that. That you, I think you just that's the home run. That's the home you know run right there. He yeah. hit it. That's the home run. You know what's interesting is in terms of hip hop, classic East Coast golden age hip-hop you go to eastern europe it's like it's like midnight marauders came out yesterday wow (laughs) okay it's it's insane you go to any of these places you go to poland especially poland poland Hmm. can do that you know ukraine no i can't do ukraine places (laughs) (laughs) can't do ukraine homie And, and again, it speaks, we, we talked, Scoop and I talked about this years ago, you know, are we going to have, if it weren't for satellite radio, if it were still just terrestrial radio, we wouldn't have classic hip hop being played. You know what I'm saying? It's, you wouldn't hear it on the radio. You have it on right. XM no, same now. Here. Same here. But you same wouldn't have, London. if it weren't for satellite radio, you wouldn't have that. You know, so there's that level of appreciation. That's another topic, though, but that level of appreciation of our past. Um, black American music, the pat, the history of it. Oh, Chicago's one of the only places in America that still has a classic R and B radio station. Yeah, right. Yeah, three. they're getting canceled everywhere. Yeah. Roundtable time. Uh, we call this one "Keep Hope Alive." Despite it being an unlikely choice for you, which artist do you all feel will one day achieve greatness, and why? Well, I got one, but it's achieve artistic greatness right because mine yeah, has already yeah, my, my choice has already achieved commercial greatness but i believe this artist who i'm not a great fan of I, I did like his last album i liked it a lot but his previous work i wasn't a big fan of but i believe this artist is going to craft an album that is going to be artistically brilliant but it's going to be after he's kind of like he's going to be on the downswing of his popularity um and that's drake that's not an unlikely <laughs> choice for you bro <laughs> I, I mean, I can't find an unlikely one, man. That's that, you know, I thought long and hard, but I, I'm okay. pretty open-minded as far as music. So it's like, you know, I really can't find an unlikely one. But to me, I think that he is going to, he, he's achieved, like I said, a lot of success, but it's not been artistic greatness. You know what I'm saying? It's been commercial, you know, pop hits, a lot of it. But there was, and we've talked about his last album on the show. I can't remember the topic, but there were moments of his last album that said, you know, this cat could actually go in a different direction if he wanted to. He has the capability of doing that. He doesn't. I, I seriously doubt if he lacks the courage to just do it. You know, saying why he's at the peak of his popularity. But I see him doing it on the downswing when he's doesn't have as much to lose and he's more courageous due to that. Um, I see him creating, you know, creating an album that's very artistic. Too much, too much, too much. 
There's no need for us to rush it through. Don't think about it too much, too much, too much, too much. This is more than just a new lust for you. I think Beyonce kind of played with it a little bit on this last album she did artistically. You know what I'm saying? She did a whole lot more things that were more um, from an integrity standpoint, artistic integrity that I respected a lot more on this last album than I did uh, previously. But it wasn't all the way there. I think that Drake can do that um, when he's again on the downswing. I expected R. Kelly to do it years ago, but he didn't do it. He released, he did a, uh, a album that never came out that was, you know, very, you know, artistically, you know, inclined. Um, but of course, he never released it because he's still trying to hang on to those 15 year old people that he wants to buy his album. Um, but I, I think it's unlikely, maybe from a lot of people's standpoint, but I think that um, this, you know, I think Drake can do it years from now. Um, he'll he'll reach artistic greatness. My son will be very happy to hear that answer. <laughs> but keep in mind, Paris, I'm not talking about next year. Right, right, right. It's going to be a while. Be patient, young Jedi. John, no, no snap, no nothing? I mean, I just don't know where to begin. <laughs> I just don't really, I don't see what you hear that leads you to think he's going to be great. Like, not good, not make an album that we all say, yeah, is dope and we make a topic out of and we talk about, but it's great. Is in that catalog of, yeah, you know what? You did it. This is it. You can die now. No, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, hold on. I, I guess maybe I should... I don't think as an artist, as a whole, he's going to be mentioned, you know, with Prince. You know, I'm saying... I think he's capable of making that great artistic statement, that album. Now, will he, you know, make enough of those to be put into that category? I seriously doubt it. But I do think he's capable of making... A great, you know, achieve a, a great artistic but keep, achievement. Keeping him in the hip hop category, you mm-hmm. know, so that he doesn't have to stretch too far. You feel confident that at some point he'll drop something on the level of an Atlians or a Midnight Marauders or no? Because here's the thing: those albums were dropped when those artists were in their prime. In right. other words, they had mass influence on the culture at the time. Drake is already past that point where he could do that. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't I don't see his next album or even the album after that, you know what I'm saying, being of that that level. You know what I'm saying? Culturally significant of that of the moment, of the zeitgeist. You know what I'm saying? I don't see that happening. I see him doing this after he's already faded some and it's like, okay, he's not at that peak and he may feel he has less to lose. So let me go out here and do some wild stuff that I had on my mind for a while, but I never was willing to do before. I could see that happening. 
So could could you see him doing like a love below? Um yeah, I could see that. Okay. Absolutely. Jahan, you want to go next? Yeah, okay, sure. Um my choice is Jojo. Jojo the white young white teenager or early 20 something singer. Did you play did you play something for her by her I for did. me I think? I did. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember. I did. Now, she she was basically a teeny bopper artist. I don't even know any of her songs. And then she dropped this mixtape a year and a half ago called Agape. And now she's dropped this EP, which features covers of um, Anita Baker, etc. Mm-mm. <laughs> Scoop said, <laughs> Scoop said, uh-uh. <laughs> she's got such an incredible voice and she she's in a flux at the moment despite having a major hit with her um with her debut album she's at complete loggerheads with her record label who want to keep her in that teeny bopper category she clearly wants to make more mature music fact that a she's got the talent because her voice is fantastic b she's got the aesthetic because this mixtape much of the mixtape and much of the ep is of a seriously high sort of modern r&b quality but more than either of those two ingredients she's got the determination a young girl in her early 20s who could have been a megastar if she, you know, followed the instructions of her record label, chose not to do that. She had the wherewithal to say, this is not the direction. I know what my direction is artistically. I want to do something different. And she did it. And she has suffered for it. She may have missed her window, right? She may never be successful again. Not only do I respect it, but I think that that in and of itself is indicative. You know, particularly she's got the talent that's the indication. Can she achieve greatness? Yes, because artistic greatness is about taking choices. It's about taking a stand. She's clearly got an image in her mind. She's clearly got a direction in her mind she wants to go for. So I think that all of that says that she will do it one day. But it's unlikely. It's an unlikely choice for me, yeah. Unlikely choice or unlikely to happen? Uh, well, certainly an unlikely choice for me because she's not normally the type of music that I would have found out about or gone to. Unlikely to happen? Unlikely to happen because nine times out of ten when you fight a record label, you lose. 
but but Isaac, you remember that? You remember the stuff I was playing? You it was dope, right? Yeah, it was. It was dope. I but I mean, be honest, I've forgotten all about her until you said that. But yeah, when you mentioned her, I, I instantly remembered. Um, do you think Rochelle Farrell has achieved artistic greatness? Oh, well, yes. yes. First note. Yes, without question. The first time she opened her mouth. Yeah. Done. Vocal greatness or artistic greatness? Well, Both. I think I think great from an artistic. I think her voice is so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful instruments. We talked about that last episode. So I think that in and of itself, the way that she delivers her voice, the way that she delivers her message, I think is artistic. So I think, yes, they're one and the same. See, her. It, I, but I think, think with her it, album, to answer, to answer the question that I know you're asking, mm-hmm. her album Individuality, mm-hmm. to me, is artistic greatness. done after that she doesn't need yeah. to do anything else and, and i think to piggyback on what he's saying i think other artists respect her as already being great so that's why i think she's achieved greatness yeah like if you speak yeah. to other artists her name comes up i think individuality it's hard to be better than that i can't picture her making a better album than that because to me it's almost a perfect album um i, I think she's done it i think she's done it do, i don't think that she's been given credit for it I think that not outside you know, of in, the music I'm in the industry. Minority. I think the music industry respects her, and that's why I get to. At some point, you have to listen to the insiders, and when they're like, "Yeah, she's yeah," when you mention her name, and most people in the industry just shake their heads and look at the floor before they even say anything. You know, you're special. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as your pick, though, your your uh, old girl fighting the music industry or the record label. I hope she wins. You know, I'm with you mm. because I, from what I heard, you know, she deserves to you know, to follow that vision. And that's, you know, for us as listeners, you know, if she wins, we win in that regard. Yeah. It depends on what she wants out of it. You know, artists artists are always in position to win in fights against record labels. It just depends on what you want out of your career. Well, no, I don't think artists always, I think if you get a hit, you get be a position to win. But if you don't have any type of hits, then the label can just drop you. And But then you can go to other labels. You can create your own label. I mean, bit, you can still, you still have the ability to create your art. Well, I think the best thing, greatness. the best thing for her to do maybe to follow Lana's example and become a YouTube star. You know what I'm saying? You, you, know, yeah. you know, that's, that's all of those things are, you know, they're not easily done. Right. Right. Oh, and, no. and I think, yes, you're right. Scoop. Anybody can make their own choices, but things can be made very, very difficult for you. Oh, so yeah. for example, you know, I'm, I'm sure that a reputation has been spread that she is not easy to work with or that she's difficult or that she's got a terrible manager or, you know, what have you. And there are things that can, there are things that can be done that dramatically limit your options. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, mine was basically a, a cat. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with him. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, y'all are so deep. Y'all pretty, uh, you familiar with the artist, uh, singer Lloyd? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. That's the guy. I've been waiting for Lloyd to blow for the longest. And I don't know. It's, it, to me, he's, he, he has the look. He has decent enough chops, you know, to be what Miguel has basically become. 
you know, now he doesn't, one of the problems is he didn't have like a guy like Mark Pitts basically to help shape his career and direct him the way he needs to go. But he has, he has the package and he has the voice and I think he has the talent. The problem is he, he can't decide on what he wants to do artistically. He, he can't decide whether he wants to stay in the hip hop thing and be like the, you know, sexy version of Nate Dogg. <laughs> Or does he really want to go out there and, like, once again, try to do them again and really be a front singer and really create, mm. you know, artistically that way? Um, you know, at, I've, I've waited for him to blow because when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this, he, you know, it's like he could be, like, when I first saw Alicia Keys, I'm like, she could be it. And one of those Clive Davis, when I was doing Double XL, they had us come down. Sony had us come down in one of these small basement, mm. you know, showcases. And I'm like, oh, she's going to be it, you know? thinking that they were going to highlight her piano playing because that was that's how they were selling her she like, was my second pick <laughs> yeah, right. but that's when you were, i'm waiting i was like oh she's gonna be great and i when i'm when i'm saying about lloyd is the same thing when i first heard him and saw him i'm talking about i think he has the i thought he had the chops to basically find some type of artistic greatness but at the same time find commercial greatness But it over the last ten years, it just hasn't happened. He's been around for that long. He's been around for that long, yeah. I mean, I have to be honest with you, I can't stand him. But I, I had no idea he was around. He's been around, and I, I get why you can't stand him. I can't stand him because he hasn't done anything with it, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But when you're a singer and you signed the Irv Gotti's label, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you pretty and, much. And, and, and you're doing songs, even though you're from the same. But you're doing songs with mystical. <laughs> you, that you're getting in your own way. Right. And so I would like to see. He's the one I still think. And I've been holding on to this for a long time. But he's the one I still think at some point he's going, you know, it's, 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 it's got to hit. Mm-hmm. And then he'll find some level of considered greatness and maybe some artistic greatness if he gets the right. Like I said, if he, if he finds a Mark Pitt, somebody can get him in the right direction, get him focused. So Can I, can I ask a question? Yes, sir. You know that uh, Childish Gambino track, 3, Telegraph Avenue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's is, him on there. Is he on it or is it a sample? I think I think he's on it because it says on there doesn't it says doesn't it indicate it's that Oakland, that's the, right it's a it's a track yeah, he's it's, done it's Oakland right it's a second version or something. I think it is a sample Jeff I have to ask Paris he, that's you know he knows but that's because, because if it if it's if if he's on there and if he put his career in the hands or his next album in the hands of Childish or Childish's team you know he may you may have something scoop. That I, is that. I'm glad you brought that up. That's the one time where I could stand him was that song. Right, but he, but once again, that's the thing that I think is getting in his way. I don't I don't think childish even with his production team, you know, uh, can actually get out of him what's really inside of him for 13, 14 songs. You know, I still think the fact that he's aligned. Huh? How many albums has he put out? He's put he put he put out the mixtape a couple of years ago. I think he's put out like maybe three albums. The mixtape. The uh, what was it? The what is it, the, the Playboy Diaries? That's what's the got, name. He's got it. four albums. Okay, yeah. The last mix, the last thing he put out was the Playboy Diaries. I, I forgot when that came. That was a couple of years ago. 
And I was like... In 1967. Right, whatever, right. <laughs> and I'm like, uh... But to me, at some point, man, you need to stop aligning yourself with rappers and singing hooks and doing this, that, and the other. And really, like, look. Once again, kind of the same thing I said about Marsha Brosa. Let me find me a producer, lock myself up for two years, and boom. Here's my gift to the world. I, I'm hoping that's what's going to happen. But he's the one I'm thinking at some point in time, even 10 years into it, I, I still believe that it's going to, you know, something's going to hit for him. And I'm not saying hitting in, in, in the commercial mainstream. I'm just saying something's going to sink. Yeah, something's going to sink and hit him, and then it's going to all come together into something great. How I, That's the best way I can say it. At some point, something with Lloyd is going to all come together, and something out of it is going to come great. He's the one for me. Arturius Maximus. Okay, I had a lot of trouble with this with this one. The idea of it being an unlikely choice, because it's kind of one of those catch-22s where, well, if it's an unlikely choice, it means that somebody don't necessarily listen to it. And if I don't necessarily listen to him, I probably don't have that music. <laughs> I was reminded of an artist who, who I, I, it is unlikely for me. I've kind of had my eye on for a while because she, she reminds me a lot of Gwen Stefani, and I like Gwen Stefani, is Lily Allen. Her last album is called uh, She's Us. Oh, yeah. She's got I some. I didn't listen to that. Was it good? I like the I like one the song that yeah. I heard. Like, right, 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 right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like the one was, song that I heard. It was good. It was funny. You know, she's got credibility um, for, as a crossover artist from a white pop star to get into the hip hop crowd because of the guests that she's done with Kanye and also. But it's, it, it's a rebel pop star type of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's where the Gwen Stefani part comes into it because she's, she's clearly a pop star. I mean, she's clearly a pop artist, but she's got enough credibility that her name can go into circles and her music can, can enter into circles where more serious-minded ears can listen. I'll see you on the other side and find so Riri isn't scared of Katy Perry's roaring. Queen Bee's gone back to the drawer and Lord smells blood. Yeah, she's about to slay you. Kid ain't one to fuck with when she's only on her debut. We're all watching Gaga, L-O-L-O-R-R-R. Dying for the art, so really she's a martyr. Second best will never cut it for the divas. Give me that crown, bitch. I wanna be Jesus. My understanding is that um, Sam Smith is a cousin of hers. Wow. Who I listened to one song, one Sam Smith song, and I couldn't, I barely can make it through that song. He's got, you know what? He he's got. It depends on who's producing him. When Disclosure are producing him, right? He's he's superb. But on his own, yeah, I I hear it's not that great, but. If you, you know, you listen to Latch or Together, boy, those tunes are incredible to me. Didn't she catch heat behind Jesus? Didn't she catch some some heat behind that? Uh, she got into a beef with somebody around. She, yeah, there was there was that problem when she performed in London. Immediately after the release, she did a she put on a blonde wig and a kind of netted dress, and she she didn't perform. She let um, Drunken Love play. While she kind of danced around, right. and that's oh, that's, right. yeah, that's exactly yeah, what it was. How could I forget yep. that? Beyonce, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was. Yep. So, do you think she will reach, in the context of greatness, that you think she'll reach that Gaga, Katy Perry, Rihanna, you know, threshold? 
maybe not commercially, but I think she she could surpass them artistically. Do you think Gaga will ever reach artistic greatness? Because you I, mentioned her I, before on the show as being very talented, a very talented artist. Yeah, I mean, Gaga's got Gaga's got skill. The thing is, I think that the image, going back to that episode that we did, you, you know, months ago with Erica, but it's like her image gets in her way because she's got to feed that beast. Maybe she like my Drake pick. Maybe she'll end up doing that, and when she's on her decline, you know, yeah, when she can, yeah, she can forget about feeding the beast. Yeah. This has been the Music Snobs Podcast, episode 32. We thank you as always for joining us, and you can find us online at themusicsnobs.com. We are on SoundCloud, our entire show library, at soundcloud.com slash themusicsnobs. Our Twitter handle is totalmusicsnobs. And show notes are on Flipboard on your iOS, Windows Phone, and Android devices. 